The Fast and the Furious has transformed into a mega blockbuster franchise, but its origin all the way back in 2001 is a very different beast indeed. So join us as we watch the movie a quarter mile at a time. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. You can have any brew you like, as long as it's a Corona. <laughs> That's not aged well uh, post-pandemic. No, it has not. It's not, it's not. Uh, so yes, welcome everyone. This is a movie podcast. We work through franchises and subgenres of movies. We do, you know, seasons of movies. And this current episode is the start of a new season. It is the first part of the Fast and the Furious saga? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a movie called like The Saga and the Furious or something like that. It's <laughs> Their naming scheme is ridiculous. Yeah. So our plan here, because we didn't really have time to do all like nine previous movies just before the 10th the one comes out. But yeah. there's going to be an 11th one already confirmed, I think, next year? Maybe the year after, mm-hmm. but certainly they're, they're, they're already confirmed that, you know, 9, 10, 11 is kind of like this finale trilogy. So yeah. we're going to do 1 through 5, right? Kind of in time, roughly, with number 10 coming out. And then we'll mm-hmm. come back next year, or whenever it is, and do 6 through the to the newest one, uh, yeah. when, you know, when that hits. So that is the plan. This is going to be 1 through 5 of the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, plus, I don't know if I could have taken ten straight weeks of the Fast and the Furious. It might have destroyed me, honestly. You would you would wake up screaming in the middle of the night about oh, family and how oh. important it is. Hey, it doesn't come up that much in this first movie because they it hadn't doesn't. they hadn't established that yet. In fact, almost everything that this franchise is known for doesn't start becoming really established until I think the fifth one. So, other than the fact that there's cars, there's cars and there's driving. Well, I would hope so. That seems like a kind of necessary thing for Fast and Furious. And there's some, obviously, actors who are going to be sticking around. Uh, mm-hmm. Although not immediately. Some of them like dip away for a few movies and then come yeah. back and, and so on and so on. Uh, so my, my history with this franchise uh, is that I saw the first one, I think, back when I first got a DVD player, I was given, wow. I was given two DVDs with it. I was given American Pie 2 and The Fast and the Furious. It's amazing that you became as snobby as you did about <laughs> movies if that's what your entry into DVDs was. Yeah, it wasn't my entry into movies. It was just the, it's yeah. what happened to, you know. Uh, you know, the first movie I actually chose to get in DVD was Terminator 2, which I think is a bit more aligned with my yeah, uh, personality. That sounds it. Uh, so... It was kind of a. It was. I didn't know what it was. It just. I. I assumed it was purchased for me because it sounded like a movie that a young boy might like. That yeah, was that's that, reasonable. That was the logic, um, and I saw it a few times in my early teens, and basically realized, you know, in that period of my life when I was learning that things can be bad and there's things I just don't like. <laughs> I didn't really like it that much. Yeah. And uh, I only saw a little bit of the second one. I've never seen the third one. I've never seen the fourth one. I've never seen the fifth one. However, through weird hooker by crook logic, I did end up seeing the sixth one, the seventh one, and I think the eighth one, but not the ninth one. I've seen none of them. That's as easy. Far as, I, as far as I know. I mean, with all of the weird-ass racing movies that were coming out at this point, 
I may have caught one of them on like TNT at like 10 p.m. at some point without even realizing it, but I have not actively been aware that I've caught any of these movies. Hey, that's easy. It's much quicker to say. You've not seen yes. any of them. I, I have seen the first one and then six through eight for some reason. And needless to say, the franchise is very different. And, I, you know, I've I, I never I've not seen five, but I understand five is where it becomes what it is after that. And okay. it's, like, it's a bit more outlandish, more of a blockbuster. It's more of this... Like, I, I remember being gobsmacked when Seven broke all kinds of records and was like a billion-dollar movie. And I'm like, what? A sequel to that 2001 movie? Really? So we'll get into all the ins and outs. We'll start spoiler-free, of course, as we always do. Uh, and we'll get into some more of the uh, the general things here. Uh, just, you know, our general feelings, our thoughts. Uh, yep. Look at the director, the cast, all that kind of usual thing. Uh, I'll start off with the director, actually, because I think um, he's, not got a, he's not got a great career, right? He's, he's got one movie that I kind of like, and that mm-hmm. is a disaster movie from the mid-90s called Daylight, starring Sylvester Stallone. It's set in a tunnel and they get trapped. And, you know, I remember that being a, a relatively fun time. His career, like, from this onwards, though, he also did Dragonheart, which I've never actually seen, but, you know, yeah. I've heard people like that. Um, but his career after this is, you know, he did Triple X, also with Vin Diesel, and mm-hmm. he went on to do a movie called Stealth, which I never saw, but it looked like Fast and the Furious, but with, with fighter planes. Uh, Isn't that just... Uh, Top Gun? What's it called? Top Gun, yeah. One could argue that, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, this movie's basically just out of something else, but with cars instead of... Uh, surfboards so we'll get into that later uh yeah he did the third mummy movie which no one liked i was gonna say that's what tanked the franchise so (laughs) he did a movie in 2012 called alex cross which i don't remember existing i remember that being based off of a book series if i remember correctly okay okay uh the boy next door never heard of and then the last thing he directed this mm-hmm. came out was the hurricane house which i did hear of because i had an interesting title and premise i never saw it though so i don't know if he actually made a, another decent movie but i mean based off of it it just sounds like he was going through roland emmerich's trash mm. and it's like oh hey that sounds like a cool idea yeah his next movie that apparently is in development is called speed hunters and it's about uh, racers so he's really wow. clinging to uh, I bet he's pissed I bet he's pissed at the franchise he, like he didn't know it was going to be a franchise when he made this but it turned mm. into this like billion dollar franchise and it's like he's not been asked to come back and like do like the final movie or anything he's, he's just kind of left in the dust I mean you say he's pissed but I have to assume there's some sort of contract writer that he's been just basically able to coast off of, of yeah as long as you keep on making fast movies I keep getting paid I don't know. I really don't know if that's the case. Because uh, I mean, I guess I guess it's fair. He's not a writer or anything like that. I'm so used to the directors being yeah. writers in today's movies. Where, yeah, no, nah, he's just, yeah, because the writer absolutely probably gets some royalties just because they keep using their characters. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is I was I was curious because uh, one of the things that obviously we're going to bring up here right is that it's the plot of Point Break, but swap surfboards for cars and swap bank heist for hold on let me check my notes dvd players (laughs) you say that but the very first shot in this movie that shows off what it is i looked because i i was really wanting to know how outdated it was i saw a bunch of 
TV VCR combos oh, in there oh, as well. The height of, yeah. so I was going to say, and they were saying, oh, this is the big money load. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? It's the, <laughs> it's the huh? Is it? Yeah, even when DVD players were expensive, you know, when it cost a few hundred to buy a DVD player, I still don't mm-hmm. think that a truck of them would be the mother load. But, you know, if, mean, if you're in the heist game, I feel like there's more valuable things to heist. Yeah. I, I wonder also, because half of stealing something is you have to be able to sell it again. I wonder who he's market really is for this when they steal this stuff. Is it... <laughs> Is there, is there really just like an underground Best Buy where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, we'll take everything you got. Must be, yeah, black market, I guess. It's just yeah. the way it works. So you got you got that, but because of that, because this is an obvious thing to bring up, that it's practically a remake of Point Break with mm-hmm. just a couple of details changed and obviously different actors. I did stop and think, but wait a minute, there was a Fast and the Furious movie in the fifties. So is it possible that Point Break was actually copying that movie's plot if this is a remake of that movie? But, so I did some research and found Mm -hmm. out that this movie is not a remake, really, of that movie in the 50s. It's got the same title. Universal bought the rights to the name because they wanted to use the name. But the plot of that movie doesn't sound... You know, there's a car in it. Yeah, there's a bit of a chase, but it's not the plot of this movie. Really, there's a car in the original Fast and Furious? Here, I thought it was a slow-paced crime drama. It could be referring to personalities, and it could be runners. It could I be guess. people who run. It could be like a marathon movie. What was that movie about the couriers that came out like a decade ago? I think it starred Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh yeah, yeah. Premium Rush. That was it. That one should have been Fast and the Furious. That, that would have fit. That would have fit with that, <laughs> that movie. Uh, so, so no, it's valid. It's valid to sort of. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong like lots of movies are effectively just copies with some details changed of previous movies it's not unique yes. to fast and the furious mm-hmm. but it's it's just it feels a bit more notable with this because it really is just swap out you know in the same way that you would say under siege is just swap a building for a boat and you, it's a die hard <laughs> knockoff you know yeah. if that became an entire subgenre, uh but it's die hard so, movies it's it's worth acknowledging, okay? It's it's very much the similar idea to Point Break, uh, right. but instead of Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, we have Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. And you know, I'll I'll just I'll I'll say this up front, and maybe it's a bit unpopular to say now, for for reasons, but Paul Walker was shit. He was always shit, and the fact that he's dead does not change the fact that he was always a shit actor. I don't want to agree with you, but I will agree with you. And I don't I don't think he was absolutely awful. I think there were moments in this performance in this movie that did shine through as like genuinely good acting. But I think it was whenever he was trying to play cool, that's where he was awful because he just didn't play it well, for, at least for me. Yeah, he's, he's got the, the charisma of... Uh cardboard box it's really quite there's a there's a moment towards the end of this movie where he has to play panicked and like really concerned and i think he did that well mm, but okay at the very at the very beginning of the movie where he's like yeah no i'm driving my car super cool i'm like no i feel like he's... your name your name in this movie is brian <laughs> like i feel like he's trying to be cool though like 80 percent of the movie so mm. Yeah, that is an issue. You know, I think that's really... And to be honest, that's a problem with the movie in general. This movie 
so badly wants to feel cool it wants to be cool everything about it is to be cool i'll i'll hold off until we get to like more technical stuff but mm-hmm. i have major issues with this movie soundtrack <laughs> uh, so do i so do i i i have a few um it's it's kind of it's you know, so you've got you got paul walker who mm-hmm. makes vin diesel who's not a great actor by any means vin diesel very much falls into that arnold kind of mold where i like arnold more but in the same way that he's got a big structure he's got a little bit of presence but he's not a great actor and he makes it work for him in certain roles like, you know when he plays riddick yeah it kind of works yeah. so, you know he plays a stoic kind of guy he's not perfect for everything by any means but he comes off in this looking quite good because paul walker is oh. much worse Every single actor that, except maybe, I'm forgetting the actress's name, but Dominic's sister. Oh, uh, Jordana Brewster, yeah. Yes, that's right, Jordana Brewster. Every actor except possibly her comes off as better when they're playing across from Paul. Yes. Because it's, he's just, everyone is so bombastic and way over the top. Even when we get to the cops in this movie playing opposite of Paul, they're still more energetic than he oh, is. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, one of them's uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. You know, Ted Levine, he's in there. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, I'd never have thought of her as, like, a great actress by any means. But again, she has more personality in this than, than Paul Walker yeah. does. I, I feel like, though, she is just playing the Michelle Rodriguez. Like, Yeah, but this, this, is... this is the first time she did it, though. So this was the creation yeah. of what her... I mean, maybe this is just kind of what she's like, but... <laughs> Oh yeah, but I, mean, I, I think this totally believe it. This was like right at the start of her career. I don't know if she was in anything before this in a major role. So uh, got me. Yeah. So how old even was she? Uh, she, but 20, she was like twenty three. Yeah, twenty three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, she was pretty much at the start of her career then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be fair, I think a lot of the actors in this are pretty much at the start of their career. They're all quite baby faced. Oh yeah. Especially since this franchise is still going twenty plus years later. And mm. Vin Diesel, who is older than every, I mean, he's not older than he's not older than the cops, but he's older than all the other main cast members. Uh, yeah. You know, he's like pushing sixty now. Uh, whereas he the, he was thirty four at the time of filming mm. this, but the character of Dom is apparently supposed to be twenty four. <laughs> uh, yeah. To be fair, it never brings. I don't think it brings it up in the movie though. He feels like a big brother, and he feel you know he feels like he's a decade older than his sister. Yeah, but the other issue is we have the character of Vince, who I think does feel like at least mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. But apparently, they were both in the third grade uh, together. True. Yeah, they did mention that. Yeah, so you never quite square that circle. Yeah, uh, Vince might be the worst character in the movie. Yes, but I think it's only by virtue of they had to make him the biggest dick oh, he's just, in yeah, he's, order to make the story work well that's the problem he's just this angry asshole all the time and he's very yeah. one note there's, there's like nothing to him not that the other characters have a lot of nuance but like, he especially yeah. just comes off as he's like aggressively one note and it I, makes I, it worse i love the character of jesse being his only thing is he's smart but has add that, that's his only thing yes his whole but then add on to that that the character of leon and I use the word character very loosely. I had to, there. I had to look over and see who you meant because I thought you were talking about. There. Yeah, exactly. They have a crew of five, and somehow they manage to give personalities to four of them, and then Leon's just there. Well, here's the thing, right? So Paul Walker is technically outside the group for you know he's kind of mm-hmm. the new guy, right? And then the sisters kind of separate because she's the sister. So the actual yeah. group is Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and then three guys 
who I don't think are in the sequels. So, oh, are they not? And That's when you watch, and I think when you watch this movie, I think it feels like yeah, these are the forgettable. These are all just like the the rest of the bodies. Here's the thing. I think if Michelle Rodriguez did not go on to a career outside of this movie, mm. she would also feel that same way. It's only because that's we fair. look at her and say, that's Michelle Rodriguez, that we expect her to be in the later things. It's not like she's had a great career. <laughs> like she's, like she was in Resident Evil oh, after yeah. this. She, she did, uh... it's, it's not like she's had like prestigious movies. I guess she just became enough of an... Do you know what it is? It's because she's the chick, right? And obviously you've got Brewster as well, yeah. but she's kind of the spunky, tomboy you know attractive tough chick right she's got that kind of thing going for her right i think that makes her more popular than just the generic white guys that are also on the team that don't have characters Mm. and therefore she's more memorable and that maybe got her some more roles which then was sort of like a look back so they wanted her back when they decided hey we want to bring all the cast back to do the fourth one because that's the one that actually brings all the cast back so yeah and i say all the cast i mean the, the the four mains which is vin michelle paul and jordana uh, may- yeah. maybe some of the others do show up a little bit like we're gonna get the fbi chief back that <laughs> major character because there's definitely a few there's that some of the small characters may end up showing back up again i can't remember but so i guess the biggest thing for me in this movie is that it definitely plays like it wants to be an ensemble cast where it's just everybody's doing big things but in the end this movie can never seem to tear itself away from this is a love story between brian and dom between paul walker and <laughs> Joe, vin diesel Joe, what's so funny is i thought you were going to say between brian and mia which is uh dom's yeah. sister who's you know actually you know brian's actual love interest and i was mm-hmm. getting ready to jump in and say no you're wrong it's the relationship between dom and brian yeah. but that's what and you brian. said you were just you phrased yeah. it in a way that it sounded like you were going to say her instead I was getting ready because to pounce on you. The movie was also like doing that up until maybe like three quarters of the way through, and then they just forgot that that was a thing. Hey, this movie, you know, lives by a quarter of a mile at a time. Okay, how does that translate into movie time? Because apparently, fifteen minutes, one quarter ra- of an hour. You you say that <laughs> there's one race in this movie, the very first like real street race we see where they specifically say this is a quarter mile and they say that these cars can finish it in 10 seconds this scene takes two minutes i did not notice them saying that yeah that, that, that yeah that's right. they're, they're going at like uh, uh i mean we'll talk about the effects later but there's actually an mm-hmm. effect in the scene that makes it look they're warping like star trek which makes oh, it yeah. feel like they travel like a hundred miles in the span of these two minutes yeah and you're telling me this was only a quarter of a mile that's as far as he lives at a time. <laughs> oh, so many thoughts. All right, before we get any further and talk about anything uh, else, I just I, b- before we go any further, okay, I should just ask the question. Let's just get the general feeling out sure. of the way. Sure, David, how did you find the first Fast and the Furious film? This movie falls into a lot of action pitfalls for around the time where it focuses more on these cool stunts and these cool set pieces more than it does the story. That being said, I can see why this movie was the bedrock of this franchise. I can see why they thought this had something more to it. Because there is something interesting at the depth of this movie and what it, I think what it does come down to is the fact is it is just Point Break. And Point Break is a fine movie, but it's Point Break for car heads. And this movie 
went all in on car heads, which I guess was a lucky enough stroke that they have a bunch of disposable income and can spend money on watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I hate this movie. I I hated it pretty much uh, as, as I sort of watched it a few times when I was younger. And coming back and watching it now, um, I suspect, I, I think it'll be more entertaining to watch five onwards. I am not mm-hmm. looking forward to these first uh, four. Um, I don't actually know what four's like. I never hear anyone talk about four. But th- this movie, it, it, like, every time they use car terms to talk about something that isn't a car, I want to punch that character's faces in. Oh, yeah. No, like, they, they, there's a scene in this movie where they have to say grace and then they just say a bunch of car things yes and i at that point i'm like it's too and, much and don't get me wrong part of part of this is a taste thing i'm not a car guy i don't give a shit mm-hmm. about cars but the fetishization of the cars in this the way they t- the lives all revolve around them um the music video style like camera shots and editing when the cars are being introduced uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the dialogue sounds like sound bites of people just trying to say snappy, cool things rather than actual oh, conversations. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack, which at some points will just like play thirty seconds of a song and move on to another song for no reason. Okay, see that's the part I disliked was at the at the scene of the very first street race. I kept track of it because it was so noticeable where they were playing a different song every 15 seconds. (laughs) And I thought I was losing my mind there because the one that caught me off guard was it started with whatever song and then it went into Limp Biscuit with the rolling, rolling, Yeah, I know that one. I recognize that one too. And then it transitioned to another song and then 10 seconds later, another song. And mind you, this is before anybody's even said a word in this scene. They've just had four songs it's just, running. Yeah, it's a montage, but for some reason they thought, oh, one song's not enough. We have to cycle through four songs in the one montage. Yeah. It's someone wrote down in their film class, what is a montage? It is a bunch of images set to a song, but then they accidentally wrote, it's a scene sent to multiple songs. <laughs> and it's like, oh, whoops, my bad. Yeah. Mix that up. I, yeah, that, that was, that was blowing my mind because these, you know, these are the details that I didn't remember. You know, going, going mm-hmm. back and watching it again, I remember the broad strokes of the plot and some of the, the more, you know, big story beats, but I did not remember these little things. I did not remember the speed line weird. There's, there's a point during the first race where it looks like the two cars are just surrounded by speed lines and there's no road and it's just like this weird visual effect and it looks. Uh-huh. And it's, it, you know, it thinks it's so cool. And it's doing close-ups of, you know, there's like a CGI bit inside the engine at one point as everything's firing and the camera's going through it. And I'm like, right. this is so obnoxious. It's so up its own ass as far as, like, caring about this shit. <laughs> See, I think, I think the movie was trying to do a thing, or at least it should have been trying to do a thing, where even if you don't know car terms, you can at least follow the basics of what they mm. do. Like, when, it's, when they're talking about the NOS, the nitrous oxide... They do a good job of saying, you know, you push this, you go faster. I think it did a good job of explaining it. But then there are certain points where they do get a bit too thick on the lingo and it's for things that don't actually matter. The scene that pops up in my mind is they use a floppy disk to show a inner working of this car and how they're going to modify it. And it's really a scene to develop the character of Jesse. But they just throw out all this lingo and Paul Walker's just sitting there going, 
yeah yeah all, not to mention the fact that he's got like a 3d model of a car on this yeah. floppy disk that is no in no way should perform is this floppy big enough to house this type of 3d model i'm just going to pro- it could probably hold one 3d model but he flips through like seven of them before yeah. the scene's done actually that's one of the weird little like time capsule things of this movie is it's from 2001 right mm-hmm. and i think once we're in the 2000s we're kind of out of that weird 90s the way they talk about the internet but this has actually got a little bit of it still where at one point, uh, Dom's saying, hey, I had them look you up. They can find anything on the web. And yeah. it felt like, oh, oh, this, that, that feels a little dated even for 2001. This is kind of weird that, that, that still, they're still saying things like that. Yeah, I, I was really hoping. Every time we hit something around this era, I always hope that somebody references the internet in one of the ways of like, yeah, you know, the interweb or the, if they specifically say the world wide web the net i i always i love those moments because i'm like you think you're being hip but in actuality you're dating yourself more than you can imagine well honestly so much of this movie feels like like the way the characters are dressed the music choices and there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with having a music soundtrack that's from its time you know when a movie comes out but it aggressively goes through too many it's the same problem i have with a lot of Zack snyder movies where it feels like Zack snyder just wants to show off his cool playlist he's like oh i've got a playlist and i'm going to play every song on it so you can hear it all but this music is so aggressively 2001 and not even just from one genre there's like three or four new metal songs there's Mm -hmm. you know five or six rap songs you know it's going through a few different genres at the time but this, it's this uh, movie if you need to know specifically the time this movie stars ja rule in a very small cameo <laughs> and then the ending theme is by ja rule i'd like to say i know who that is other than this franchise but yeah he's a rapper oh yeah but i figured Early that 2000s. part yeah yeah that's all you really gotta know yeah uh so he was in some scary movies apparently okay uh one character i did want to bring up um noel guglielmi that's the that's the actor yes that is the actor he plays hector he plays hector yes hector yes he plays hector apparently and i don't know how accurate this is but it's Mm. enough that i knew the trivia fact is this is the first time he plays a character named hector he goes on to play at hector in completely unrelated franchises and shows and stuff like that nine more times (laughs) Yeah, I think he's in uh, at least something else I've seen called Hector, because it, mm-hmm. it kind of rang a bell when he said it. Yeah. He just plays Hector in a bunch of different things. For some reason, he's just... Ty- I mean, if you've seen the actor, you know he is typecast as just the Hispanic actor. Like, the tough guy-looking one. But he's played Hector at least nine times, besides this movie. That is... That's impressive. Uh Yeah yeah oh he's, he's he's in at least one more fast and the furious movie looking at this list oh boy <laughs> so look forward to that can't wait the return of hector uh no i yeah there's just there's something about this movie the the way it does these extreme close-ups and like it does these sort of track ends on people's faces uh mm. it'll do like sped up shots and slow down the same shot of like a car stopping and parking you know there's a, there's a scene early on where uh paul's talking to mia uh because she, she runs and this, this is one of these little details that's kind of just glossed over in the movie but it seems like dom owns like a little garage slash like diner 
Yeah, yeah. The, he, for some reason there's a diner, but yeah. I have no idea how the garage comes in on that. Yeah, but she, he's there talking to her, and it's like introducing the rest of the team, right? So it's teasing Dom, who's like in the back behind some, he's in shadows. And the introduction of the rest of the team is they all come round in their, their little souped-up cars with their lights underneath, and the, the lights under the cars feel really lame to me. It's, it's it, it, this is this is exactly the same thing as someone who's obsessed with like RGB on their computer. Like I, I also think that's yeah. a little bit lame when you sort of deck it out. It's like, oh yeah, it's just lights. What you <laughs> yeah, I think I think the thing for me, the one tiny little niche in terms of hobbies that I could just never understand were the sneakerheads. Mm. Like people who are really into sneakers. I I don't get it. I don't think I ever will get it. But with cars i can at least understand you know there is this sort of i don't want to say primal but just this like deep down thing of the loud noises and the ability to go really fast there's <laughs> something to it oh, yeah. i'm never going to be part of that but i can at least understand it yeah i, I don't mind like a movie about characters who care about cars like that's not my problem here my problem right. is just so much that it focuses on that it's almost like it's it's you know rather than having engaging characters where that's their thing this thing's meant to be what the entire movie's kind of like built on and like that, that's yeah. the thing that's supposed to carry it through and like no no that should be the deed that should just be like flavor on top of what the characters are and i don't think right. it really does that i think it, it, it is so excessively focusing on uh, it really does feel like a music video sometimes with the way it shoots the cars and yeah i mean i'm i'm more okay with the idea of all right you you've got all these cool cars and they do have a lot of cars in this movie more so than even just the main cast use but um you've got all these cool cars you want to show them off i i can respect that they only really kept those shots to the racing moments to like the big action set pieces it wasn't like the whole movie was shot in the way that you're describing there whenever it's two characters talking it's just two characters talking it's shot pretty much as standard as could be imaginable sure yeah but i mean there's a like there's a lot of scenes with oh yeah, cause no, that, you it's, know, it's, it's the races it's the introduction to the races you know when they're at uh was it race wars was the thing later on in the movie in the desert yeah, yeah. uh or it's the street racing early on or it's the introduction to the team so they all have to have these intros in their cars mm-hmm. um like there's just this feeling like it's like hey aren't these characters cool and honestly i'm sitting going no nah, i think they're kind of lame honestly <laughs> I do wonder if it was because, like we said, this movie is dated as hell. Yeah, it was I was super do, dated. Yeah, I do wonder how cool they would come across if this movie was just one for one made with today's coolness in mind. Because obviously, if someone's trying to be cool, but they are actually twenty years too far out of date, obviously they're going to seem uncool. I I just wonder if back in the day, whether or not this would have worked. No, so here's, here's my argument against that. My okay. argument against that is that I can watch movies from the 70s, movies from the 80s, movies from the 90s, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and there's definitely characters in those movies that are cool. And they're cool in a timeless fashion. The reason why this doesn't work, and the reason why I don't think it even worked for me at the time, is because this coolness is all about what's trendy, right? It's all based yeah. on these superficial things that make you cool. And that doesn't make you cool, and that's why it doesn't work now, especially now when these trends are all gone. But even at the time, you can kind of see through it. Whereas you go back and, you know, like Dirty Harry, right? We started this show with Dirty Harry as the franchise. He is yes. cool in those movies. He's suave, mm-hmm. and it's timeless, and it doesn't, you know, like some of his sexism and stuff dates a bit, 
(laughs) but the way he carries himself the way he like walks into a scene and the way like you know it doesn't have to do something super fancy to make him cool with the camera you know he just walks in and just is imposing in the frame and it works you know uh I agree, and I definitely agree in terms of Paul Walker's performance. Because, like I said in the very beginning, he's not cool. Are we he's, really comparing trying, Paul Walker to Clint Eastwood? <laughs> well, no, but I am going to bring up Vin Diesel because I do think Vin Diesel does have this sort of presence. And yes, it does rely a little bit on camera tricks because I think I think it's a pretty well known fact Vin Diesel is not the tallest man alive. Oh he's, sure, uh, he's not exactly. So it, there's some level of camera trickery just to get him up on everyone's level, but. Well, yeah, but there's he's a doubt. He's a... still got this feeling to him in all the scenes where he does feel. Yeah, but you know, like he has a presence. Do you know who else isn't that tall in real life? Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not that tall in real life. There's a difference between trickery, which is unnoticed by the viewer, that to make him feel like a bigger presence, and mm-hmm. aggressive camera movements and cuts to try and feel hip. Right. Fair. There's a very different, big difference between those two things, and this movie is very much the latter. I guess I don't think I don't feel that the camera trickery was to make the characters feel cooler. I think it was to make the cars feel cooler. I think the characters live or die by their own writing. I think that it was strictly (laughs) like definitely die. Yeah, but I think that the uh, all of those scenes because again they mostly keep them to the racing scenes. I think it was more so of like yeah, if we shot this realistically, it would be done in ten seconds. They would put down their foot yes. on the gas. They would race. Ten seconds later, the scene is done, and everyone's like, "Wow, what a rush!" And we're sitting there in the audience, like, "I, I guess." By the way, uh, just a little bit of foreshadowing for I think it's the seventh, maybe the sixth movie, sixth or seventh movie. Uh, this is not the last time this franchise will engage in that was a very long road uh, syndrome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get back to that. People, people know no, what I'm talking I, about. The longest runway in the history of airports is uh, coming up. And <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> and I got you. Number seven or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, and I, I want to make something clear here. Like, I'm critiquing the way this movie handles the car fetish, and mm-hmm. people are saying, "Yeah, but you just said you don't like cars. Maybe this works for people who do like cars." So let me just hypothesize for a second. Okay. This was something I did care about. Let's pick something else. Let's pick. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, like I mean, I guess the easiest option would be Point Break. How do you feel about surfing comparatively? I don't care about surfing either. <laughs> the... Do you think though that they made surfing seem cool in Point Break? I think. See, I don't think Point Break's great. I think it's better than this. Uh, yeah. But I, I think. The surfing in Point Break, I, I I always kind of felt like, oh, to them it's spiritual and they go out and they, they sort of describe why they like doing it. I, I think mm-hmm. the weird thing um, about this versus the surfing is that it's a lot more technical. So I, I'll go back to the computer comparison, right? Because I like computers okay. well enough, right? And I've built my own computer and I like having mm-hmm. nice parts on my computer. So that's probably the closest thing I can compare to like a car person because they like you know, the engines and getting all the, the bits and pieces in it and whatnot. You could list off the full graphics card name and your processor and all that. <laughs> I have a Ryzen 7 3700X processor, yes. I've got a, a RTX 3060 Ti. Yeah, see, yeah. I can immediately hear yeah. some of our audience yes, being like, yes. what are you talking yes. about, you nerd? Absolutely, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. If the movie was about people who built PCs, which admittedly would be a very different movie. I would kill to see that movie. <laughs> are you kidding me? 
I would still critique these same things, though. Like, if someone, like, said, oh, you've got this in your computer, and they did, like, a sort of, like, you know, camera tracks into their face, and, like, there's, like, a Dutch angle as they go, holy shit, they've got 64 gigabytes of RAM, I would still think it was lame. Hackers. <laughs> That's the movie you're talking about, and you're right, it is lame. <laughs> You know, so this critique, even though in this case I don't actually care about the subject that it's fetishizing, I, mm. I still think the problem is that it's just fetishizing the subject without actually backing it up with a good story, with good characters, uh, that, you know, and honestly some of the direction is just kind of lame. Rob Cohen, I think, you know, looking at his career, I just don't think mm. he's a good director, and I think that's evident in a lot of this movie. That's fair. I think that this movie... I'm going to disagree on the fact that it doesn't have like any story to it. I think that the core story, the core mystery of it is Paul Walker's character needs to find out who's responsible for the stolen goods. And if you focus solely on that, there is an interesting like mystery where it goes down a few false leads until finally it gets to the big climactic finish. The issue being is that this movie forgot that that was the core story and it focused on this bromance so much more. Well, to be fair, I didn't say there was no story. I said a good story. Right? I wanted, That's fair. You know, I want to specify but, that. I'm not saying this is right. lacking. This clearly has a plot. There is definitely story there. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, it even tacks on extra things that feel kind of shoehorned, didn't it, to be honest? And I don't think the bromance yeah. is, because the, the, the core story of this movie is definitely the idea that he's the undercover cop who's befriending this group, but he starts mm -hmm. to kind of respect them and actually care about them. And that is the conflict of interest which is supposed to be the the linchpin right. it's meant to be the thing that we care about and latch onto for the drama and ultimately that's why the bromance is important because it is the the natural sort of inclusion of that but there's right. lots of other little things that come off really lame that feel undercooked uh there's definitely like there's a whole thing with jesse that's introduced like all of a sudden like yeah. in the last third of the movie that ends up being really important for a lot of big things that happen and it feels just so out of nowhere it was not set up properly at all it it ends up being really important but only because they forced it to be important well yeah that's what i mean like it didn't yeah. feel naturally important at all like they have like there's a big scene right at the end that only happens because of that setup with jesse mm -hmm. but the the setup with jesse is so just <laughs> like, like the, without getting into spoilers i think the best way to say it is just imagine that a character halfway through the second act says hey i'll be back later he leaves we don't see him for an entire act and then all of a sudden he comes back is like hey by the way i brought the climax with me oh it's not even just that though it's what he before he, he leaves he also just all of a sudden he's got this thing that is a problem and like oh, yeah, you know like just all of a sudden there's this like like did he ever mention his father before this scene? I don't think he did. Nope. <laughs> I do wonder how much of this... This is one of those movies where I think there is probably a lot on the cutting room floor to keep it at a manageable time. Because mm. it is an hour 45 for a mid-2000s car flick. Like, that seems long already. So I wonder how much of it was actually cut for pacing and time and just keeping it manageable. If 2001's mid-2000s, what the hell is early 2000s to you? specifically january 1st to the 2nd okay that was that was it just the, just to start just clearly establish honestly that. if i if i said mid that's my bad yeah but oh you definitely said mid all right fair enough um yeah uh is there anything else we want to say before we just start 
Um, the only thing I think is worth mentioning here is that the entire movie, the entire precept is based off of a magazine article called Racer X, which I guess was just written about illegal street racing. And they thought, hey, let's make that a movie. Yeah, I wonder if the illegal street racing scenes actually got as much of like a crowd as the street racing in this does, because it feels like it'd be hard to hide if you've got that many... You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine there being at least, you know, 10 to a dozen people. But this is the the one street that they just take over has at least four dozen people there. And that seems excessive, especially for illegal street racing. Yes. Especially since there's like an angry driver. It's like a delivery pizza guy. But it's the director, yeah. I think. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the director of the movie who's like, ah, goddamn street racers always blocking traffic. I'm like... How much of an epidemic is this in the city that there's just constantly See, everyone's just used to streets being, you know, cordoned off by street racers? I mean, I've been driving down the occasional road and I've seen, you know, what's obviously two cars racing each other. Like I see them going by super quick, like matching each other. But I've never had this perfectly laid out parallel parking of all of these cars going up and down the street, blocking any entry roads, it seems far more responsible than I think actual illegal oh, street yeah. racing it's, is. Like, it's the, I'm not saying this is safe, but it's definitely less dangerous than actual street racing probably yeah. is. Absolutely. Uh, um, although I do, as I was watching this movie, I don't know what was going on, but every once in a while I'd hear outside my window like one of those super loud engine cars. <laughs> and I was like, is it, is it happening? Is the fast and the furious here? Turns out, no, it's just a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you maybe just forgot you had surround sound. I don't know. If I did, I have not been taking advantage of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So spoilers then for the movie, we'll get into it and, and yep. talk about it. Uh, yeah, so yeah, this is a movie about stealing DVD players from trucks, <laughs> and the the movie opens with uh, you know, three black cars, identical black cars, you know, taking over this truck using like a, it's like a what you call it's it? a grappling hook. a grappling hook, yeah. They they the fire and one guy goes into the thing, and I want to point out here that in this scene, all of the people involved in this heist of this truck mm-hmm. are all dressed head to toe in black. They're all wearing like motorcycle style helmets to hide their faces. Uh, for some reason, when we get to the third act and they're doing the big job at the end of the movie, they, they, they completely drop their MO entirely and all just go in their regular clothes with no masks. There's like one guy wearing a helmet in the, the last heist. Yeah. I I get why they did it from a storytelling and trying to keep the mystery alive, but yeah, it, it's, it's all of a sudden them just dropping. And also, this one takes place at night. Apparently, they all take place at night, except for the last one. Yeah, Which obviously was done for the purpose of the movie so that you could see all the impressive stunt work, but it's weird there was never any sort of reason given as to why they were like, hey, this time we're just going to just screw all that. Maybe Jesse was the one in charge of getting their outfits. Maybe that's what, <laughs> Maybe it, was. That's what it was, yeah. So he wasn't around to help. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my problem is less that they're doing it here. It's more that they just drop it later. So they should mm-hmm. be also in their outfits later, but whatever. Yeah. So... So we're introduced to Paul, or sorry, we're introduced to Brian, I should say. No, we're introduced to Paul. <laughs> you know, Bri- Brian's testing, he's, he's, he's driving around the big parking lot, trying to get good at driving his little green muscle car, or whatever, mm-hmm. or race car, or whatever it is. 
I don't know cars, okay? Yeah, I, I was writing muscle car at the beginning here because I kept on thinking, hey, maybe we'll see a normal car at some point. But the answer to that is no. They're all muscle cars. <laughs> well, he drives a truck for work uh, in between. Not real work, yeah. obviously. He's undercover, but he's technically working at a mechanics or... No, no, it's like a parts dealer. Uh, yeah, it's an auto part shop. Yeah. Uh, but we're introduced to him and he goes for a tuna sandwich at this little bar. But he's clearly been coming here to try and get to know the group right so he's the whole point and he's been flirting with a sister mia and they have a bit of back and forth and we get this over the top introduction to the rest of the group all coming around the corner in their cars coming around their power rangers colored yeah cars. They're all color everyone's coded. got their primary colors yeah they're all skidding oh, they're God. all making like you know uh burning rubber you know there's, there's all these things happening it's all these mm. shots of all the tires stopping and the just you know that shot of the corner of the cars they stop, and then like you know they all get out and the camera goes up their bodies as if like they're big deals and all the rest of it, right? Uh, which you know any one of these things on its own is is fine, but there's just these little things that make it feel really fake to me. Like uh, Brian like hears it before they come around the corner and turns around like like oh something big's about to happen. But in reality, it's just a bunch of cars coming around and parking. It's not, you know, it's not yeah. some big special show. No, no. He can hear how much horsepower they have. <laughs> There's just so many little things like that that are kind of cheesy, but not in an de- endearing way to me. They're just very... Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so... For some reason... Well, it's not some reason. Like They do kind of establish, as the movie goes on, that Vincent clearly has feelings for Mia. And maybe this is a jealousy thing. But yeah. he just immediately starts acting like no one in real life would ever act to another human being. I mean, if, if just looking at him, I have him up on my screen right now yes. with a cast photo. Just looking at him. If there is a kind of guy who's really into muscle cars and wears a mesh top 95% of his <laughs> life, I think he would be this ill-adjusted to normal human conversation. Yeah, he... I'm just, I'm saying it's not out of the realm of possibility this person could exist. Okay, but I mean, he just immediately starts staring at Brian uh, when Brian just pays for his food and leaves because he's like, well, I don't want a confrontation, I'll just go... He goes up and says, okay, you're not coming back here anymore. You, you can go somewhere else. And yeah. picks a fight with him. And eventually Dom goes out to break it up, which is how they all kind of meet properly. But, um, like, every single thing is just so aggressive and just without... Like, could we not have, like, just so... Like, could, could Brian say one little cheeky thing to set him off just to give us a little bit of a... Okay, he kind of poked the bear a little bit. I mean, I guess if you, it wasn't cheeky, but basically he told him like, nah, I'm going to keep coming here for my tuna sandwich. You, like he was telling him, no, screw you. I I'm don't think that what you're saying, counts though, because that's in retaliation to him already saying something completely unreasonable. I mean, the thing that was setting him off is the fact that he's been here multiple times and he's been chatting up his crush. Yeah, like every day. He yeah, he's with. like, wait, he's, he's got some sort of sandwich fetish or something he says, I think. Yeah. Uh, like that's the thing that's setting him off already he's like you're moving in on my girl how dare you <laughs> uh but it's definitely not his girl as, as is repeated throughout the movie <laughs> yeah I, okay i can but like that's just the thing i don't think his characterization is that far out of what i could see as being just this horribly testosterone filled guy who's like possessive of a girl that's not actually into him 
and all that stuff. I can see this guy existing. He's not a fun guy to hang out with, but he exists. But he's not fun to watch either. Oh, no. Well, that's but, what I'm getting at here is this is all just kind of unpleasant. There's nothing... And, like, Brian's not charismatic enough that it feels like, oh, like, we're we're kind of rooting for him in this scene. It's like, no, it's the bland guy with no charisma versus the asshole who's just un- needlessly aggressive for no reason. But but one of them has those piercing blue eyes. <laughs> and doesn't that just make you want to root for him anyway? You know, typically if you did an action movie and you have our hero that we're going to be supposedly rooting for and you have mm. some asshole who's just over-the-top asshole, the fun of it is that, you know, our hero is going to put them in their place, he'll say something genuinely witty that'll make the, 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 the asshole feel... Mm-hmm. belittled which might you know escalate the situation which then will sh- show how the good guy is then capable in a fight this scene doesn't do any of those things it- it- it's just him being an asshole he picks a fight they start throwing punches and then dom has to break them up we come out of this scene not feeling like oh brian's proven himself in any way shape or form uh mm-hmm. other than just you know not let himself you know take it told to f off basically yeah. and vincent uh, never gets any real comeuppance there's no you know and that, that's kind of the thing throughout the the movie with vincent i think especially is that he keeps being a dick repeatedly in multiple ways and he gets injured towards the end i suppose in the final set piece but that, i don't know if that ever really feels like he is learning a lesson to not be a toxic dick <laughs> yeah and i think i mean this goes into a larger point i wanted to make about the movie as a whole is that Every character in this movie is given like the beginning of an arc and mm. possibly even the middle of one in some cases. But by the time we hit the climax of this movie, none of them matter. All of them are immediately. And when I say climax, there's the set piece and then what I consider to be the actual climax. Yeah, but the actual climax is just Dom and Brian. It's just Dom and Brian. And because of that, everyone else's stories are just kind of pushed off to the side and nobody gets any sort of real closure to any of their stuff we don't find out if vince is like oh hey you saved my life you're actually a cool dude we don't find out how mia feels about uh i can't want to say paul but brian Brian, yeah after everything that's said and done we get little hints to these things but we're not given any sort of actual closure on anyone except for paul and vin diesel that's it and i mean maybe there was the hope they'd get a sequel but given the fact that vin diesel's not back in the sequel you know the first Mm -hmm. one that is you know too fast too furious well then we'll talk about the titles as we go uh, through (laughs) them but uh, given the fact that uh mia's not back i think maybe she is i don't know i I, I actually i mean regardless of who comes back your movie still has to stand on its own oh for sure i'm just trying to think even if there was a logic at the time where like oh we're hoping we're going to like pick up these threads next time Mm-hmm. the fact that well i don't know was that the plan even if it was the plan like clearly that didn't pan out because none of them yeah most of them didn't come back until the fourth movie so mm-hmm. you know it, it kind of does feel like just yeah a bunch of plot threads that are just kind of like or not even plot threads just character threads are just left right dangling but that's what makes it feel like i'm invested i wouldn't say invested i'm interested in these characters going up to this climax because during or not the climax during the set piece they're all there all the characters get their time in the set piece they get their time to develop who they are what they're doing except for jesse but 
as soon as the set piece ends, it's just gone. All of them are gone. And it really, I felt, takes the wind out of the sails of this movie for the last 15 minutes. Because once you're done with the final set piece and all the characters go by the wayside, if you're not into the Brian V. Dom thing, it's just an uninteresting ending to the movie. Well, it shocked you to learn that I was never interested in the Brian V. Dom thing. What? What? <laughs> no. Nor was I ever interested in the Brian and Mia love story, if we can call it that. Nor was, was I ever po- interested in Brian versus Vincent. I mean... There was, a, there was a point, I think it was like 20 minutes into this movie, where Dom kisses Letty. And I'm like, they have shared so much screen time together already, and this is the first time I'm actually picking up that they're dating each other. No, there's a moment just before the first race where he's talking to two blondes and she comes up and she's like, I smell skanks. Beat it. Oh, yeah. Uh, So there is like a jealousy moment. And he's like, I was just talking to them. (laughs) Fair enough. I guess I didn't register that as them actually dating rather than her just being jealous of them. Oh, sure. Yeah, maybe they weren't. Yeah. But she also takes him upstairs for a massage. That's the point where I realize. That's the point where I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, is that the scene where they kiss for the first time? Okay, yeah. I, it may not have been a kiss, but yeah. they were, you know, more intimate than they ever were before that. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, I, I think the problem with the premise of the movie, this undercover cop befriends the guy, bad group who may not actually be completely bad guys, right? That's that's the and mind you, that's the premise of the movie, right? Yeah. I think the problem with that is that if the characters themselves are not, you know, if the whole thing is meant to be this, like, this uneasiness of, like, oh, God, they're going to find out he's a cop, but he really likes them now, so, you know, I want to care about them, him winning their trust and him winning their respect kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is that if you don't care about the character, if the characters themselves are not engaging, then that, like, impending, like, we're going to have to deal with this later is not exciting. In fact, it's actually the opposite. It's like, oh, we have to go through, like, all these drama beats with these characters. If you're not interested in the characters before that point, that is, it's, it's not an exciting thing. It's not a tense thing that you're invested in. It's just this ticking down of something else you don't want, <laughs> which is, I think even when I was younger watching this movie, I think that's how I always felt watching this, is I just did not give a shit about them finding out that he was a cop. That's fair. I I personally found it a bit more interesting. I think that this movie did a good job of surprising the audience as well, because they give absolutely no hints up until he's brought in by the police that he is an undercover cop. Yeah. Almost to the detriment. Cause when you know it's coming, uh, there's a moment where he's getting pulled over where he looks worried in the car where I'm like, why, why is he looking worried? Like he knows that this mm. is all fake. I mean, he could be worried because like one cop says soon afterwards, you never know who's watching. He could be like, Oh, you're brought in by the cops. What's going on? Mm, okay. A bit of a stretch, but Oh yeah. <laughs> this whole movie is a bit of a stretch. I'm not saying, <laughs> yeah okay okay i think i think what it comes down to is for this particular movie is that i've already accepted the fact that by the time we hit these last movies they're just stupid fun like i'm going into it just expecting to turn your brain off and watch the cars go wee but i'm already there with this first movie where it's kind of taking itself seriously still but i'm just accepting all of the weirdness and the stupidity of it as they're just watching the cars go wee I think that's my problem. The main problem I have with this is that the taking itself seriously is really painful to sit through when mm. you can't take it seriously. And I can't because it's insanely stupid at points with the way it treats its subject and the way it shoots yeah. its subject. And because of that, I just I can't get into any of it at all. 
you know, like, I'm definitely going to be more looser on 5 onwards just because, oh, at that point, it's a big, stupid blockbuster with, like, silly over-the-top mm-hmm. thing. But it's, it's, you know, when we get to those movies and you see some of the shit that they're being tasked to do, oh, we want you guys to pull off this heist, you're going to be laughing when you remember back to the first one and go, they were just stealing DVD players off of a truck. Right. Like, yeah. this is going to seem quaint by compared to this, the shit they're doing. Like, people were legitimately saying, oh, they have to do, like, one in space because that's how silly oh, yeah. it's going to get. I'm sure. And nothing in this first movie feels like it's heading there. <laughs> you know, the, the, nothing... You know, even the family stuff in this is, like... The only time it really comes up is when Ted Levine... Uh, who's like the sergeant who's in, sort of in charge of of brian mm-hmm. halfway through the movie he's kind of like hey you know he basically references um dances with wolves because he says hey you go native on me because he thinks oh maybe yeah. you're becoming bonded with the, the the group and he says you know there's different kind of families brian you're gonna have to choose which one you want and it's funny because like everyone associates the family thing with vin diesel because he's the one who's always saying it and in the later movies he is he's always talking about his family oh yeah right but it's, it was interesting to me that that's where it actually first comes up in this this original movie is mm. sort of like oh which family do you want to be a part of brian uh i i will say there's a scene in this movie um i guess it'd be about halfway through where they have just a cookout yes for discernibly no reason except to further this idea that like Vince stormed off. He was super angry about something. And then basically he comes back and he's just welcomed back in immediately. Like they just, they give him a little bit of crap, but then it's like, no, nah, you're, you're part of the group. You're with And they us, definitely you... like call back to this a lot in the later movies where the one, one of the things that does come back from this is that there's a lot of like, you know, at the end, after everything's over, there may be a scene of them at a barbecue at the house. Mm. Like, yeah, cause that's what they do. Cause they're family. Family. <laughs> they do barbecue together. <laughs> they drink Corona. Up until probably this next movie coming out, in which case they're going to switch to a different drink. Maybe they'll put in a joke. Maybe they'll have, like, maybe there's a joke of Corona, and maybe it's like Vin Diesel will be like, eh, maybe not anymore. I feel like Corona probably would have paid the big bucks to keep that brand in the movie, though. They'd be like, oh, true, true. We need it. I meant to, like, yeah, Corona, the, the, the beer company, might have a problem with that, with that joke. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're probably having a bad couple of years as it is because of the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Guaranteed. <laughs> Um, all right, so we were left at the point where he Dom breaks up the fight and he basically asks who Brian is, gets his ID and all that, and then says, Oh yeah, you work for Harry down at the auto parts, you're fired. Yeah. But what he As doesn't if he has know that level of pull. Yes, but what he doesn't know is that Harry has been forced by the police to keep Brian on as an undercover cop. Uh mm-hmm. so he can't just fire him, you know, because otherwise he'll go to yeah. jail for illegal items or something, they said. Yeah, he was selling, like, stolen, yeah. whatever. So, okay, all right, that establishes it, that. And then at that point, Brian turns around, and he's like, I need nitrous oxide. When, Give me everything you've got. Did you got. notice when he said, I need NOS, there's, like, five posters for NOS in the background? Did you notice how every time I blinked, there was NOS in the image? <laughs> Everyone had stickers on their cars and posters in the background and buttons on their steering wheels. NOS is basically just the sole founder of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Honda definitely sponsored that a little bit. There was a lot of Honda talk. Oh, yeah. I do wonder, whenever there's movies where cars are the focus, how they manage to get the branding of, like, oh, okay, Honda wants to be featured, but so does Toyota, and so does... How do they How do they decide which cars get to go where? Well, it's, yeah, I, well, I think it's also partly how they end up with just having access to a lot of cars in the movies. It's like, okay, we, sure. want, we want product placement, and part of the payment is 
will let you borrow some cars to shoot them in the movie with. Mm. Yeah, so they get you know super expensive Lamborghinis and shit in movies. It's like, hey, are we going to actually spend the money to rent this? No, no, we'll get it for free, and they get I- some product placement out of it. I guess my one question would be there's a scene later on in this movie completely out of nowhere seemingly like shot for the trailer more or less where they pull up to a red light next to a Ferrari Mm. and the Ferrari owner's like you can't keep up with this and then they just immediately blast past him and smoke him. How'd they get Ferrari's permission to be like no your cars are slow screw you. (laughs) Well I think part of the uh, the thing I want to bring up about this movie that feels really dumb to me comparing to every other racing movie ever because I, I like other racing movies you know uh, mm. Ford V Ferrari was solid uh, a couple of years ago um, Days of Thunder is a pretty solid movie you know th- these things uh, c- can work yeah the 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 thing that stuck out to me in this movie though compared to those as far as the actual racing goes and it's kind of brought up at a certain point as well is that Every race, as far as we can see, is a, just a straight line. At which point, I'm like, mm-hmm. how much of this is really the skill of the driver versus just how much money they've put into, like, souping the car up with, with shit? And uh, and at yeah. a certain point, uh, one of the characters even says, it's just been before Jesse races later on in the movie, is like, hey, that guy you're racing is rich. Like, he's probably put 100 grand into the, the engine in this thing. So he's probably mm-hmm. just going to win because he's got more money than you. And, you know, that's kind of what happens. And, you know, I was already thinking that, earlier on when like every race was just a straight line i'm like part of the 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 thrill of the race in any other type of racing movie is that the driver has to use corners has to use all these like you know what the track is to try and like get an advantage to like and it's like okay so it becomes like this almost uh strategical game as well as just being able to you know handle the car the the intense speeds right because so for for the counterpoint on that I think that the strategy and all that comes down to... When to press the button that makes you go faster. Well, the strategy is that. But this is more of skill in not how you handle turns and stuff like that, but the shifting of gears is the main thing in that you constantly see them talking about how they handle the clutch and stuff like that. That's where it comes into because if you don't shift gears at the proper time, you don't gain that little... Like, you lose fractions of a millisecond but still milliseconds of speed to someone who is shifting gears at the proper time Would now you mind s- you that's all kind of thrown out the window as soon as you introduce the magic button that makes you go super speed but <laughs> would, 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 yeah, would you say though that they capture in this movie in a cinematic way the drama of those decision making moments of like when to shift gears only in the very, very final scene climax where, I mean, we'll get to it, but there's, they're basically outrunning a train and they're specifically showing Vin Diesel moving the clutch around and being like, nope, I'm going for it. That's the only time I think they actually managed to give it any sort of reference of well, 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 this is why it's important. But what I'm getting at, though, is that in other movies where it's about taking the corners and overtaking the opponents and things like that, you can build moments out of that with cinematic tension. You can have them try yeah. and pull off a move, and if they succeed, then great, that's a big moment. If they fail, then okay, that's a bad moment. But, you know, there's like a win and a loss outcome to a simple little moment that either might damn them or maybe is like, okay, we have to make that up later. There's there's things that I can understand, even though I don't know that much about cars and how to actually like build the drama of the race and mm-hmm. all these little mini like, successes and failures throughout. I think when it's down to this minutia of 
you might get a fraction of a speed boost versus someone else because you've changed gears slightly better. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that actually lends to drama in a scene. Yes and no, because I also would like to point out that at no point is the center point of the drama in this movie on the result of the race itself. It's all about what happens outside the race. It's about how the people interact and how, like, Paul Walker, in the very first race he does, loses his car. It's no longer his. He gives it up, and nobody cares that he lost that car because the result of the race didn't matter. It was all about how they were interacting with each other and how they were getting to know each other. That's why the final, not the final scene, but the set piece of this movie is not a race. It's a heist. It's not about how fast the cars can go. Well, we just okay, accept that, the cars can go fast enough. That's all fine, but they still... One of the first things we talked about in this entire discussion was how this quarter-mile race lasts two minutes and is full of effects and full no. of all these little dramatizations to try and make it exciting. That scene, yes. That scene, I think, was just horribly done. I, I, I think that scene is out there. But look, at look, no look, point look. later in the movie do they do that again. Not the exact same way, but they, they definitely still treat things like they're the race or the, the moments themselves is, is big deals um particularly the the final climax of trying to beat the train the, the, mm. but which is what i'm getting at i'm not saying that is what the most important thing in the scene is is who wins the race and that's not necessarily equal to the final race in a, in a movie that's about a competition that they're, they're building up to right it's not the exact same yep so unprofessional dude. i'm sorry so i have to i have to fidget with things when you're yelling at me I'm not yelling. Calm down. <laughs> so, but the point I'm getting at is that they still treat that scene, that race, like we should care about every little detail while they're in the race. Like the little decisions that are being made matter. And fundamentally, it all comes down to, you know, Brian over pushes his, his car. Uh, he presses mm. his button too early and, you know, part of it breaks down. And he, he's, there's sparks. He loses. He, he sort of phases it, fizzles out before the finish line. And the rest right. of them all beat him handily, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all him trying to look cool and try to be a part of the, the group. And ultimately, he wins Dom's trust because he shows up to save his ass when the police are after everyone. And that yes. kind of earns him a little bit of a leeway. Um, and that's all fine. But if all that doesn't matter, then the race is just set dressing to everything, which is why emphasizing so much of it on these weird, like, speed line effects and, like, try to make it feel like it's this futuristic. <laughs> like voyage right it just feels like uh hollow it feels like this hollow you know set no, dressing yeah. to everything i i agree i agree that it does feel hollow and does feel like set dressing but i do think that it was always set dressing i don't think there was any point in here where they said that hey we need to make the results of these race actually matter we need to make it matter like oh the decisions they're making during these races because they never do they never give it any sort of real focus outside of potentially that one first race but if it's at all but that's that's a valid complaint then that it is just set dressing if it, yeah it, it is but but that's what i'm saying is that the entire point of this movie is the interpersonal drama stuff of like who's stealing stuff from these trucks and then whether or not uh brian is going to sell them out in the end or whether he's considered himself part of the group the cars is just the thing that makes it different than point break the, the, it's just but, the thing that gets the and yes i understand why that's frustrating because they give it so much emphasis then that's like that's think, a huge criticism then that is but like a, i think 
that is a I crippling criticism of the whole movie because the entire movie tries to revolve around that and it's not actually that important to what's going on but that's where we disagree is that i don't think it's revolving around it i think it uses the language of cars to tell the different story of this guy and why he's getting into this scene if they could easily replace all the words in it with surfing they could replace all the words with skating they could replace all the words with it with computer making but regardless they went with cars this time but the core story is about whether or not he feels this yearning to be part of this other group rather than the group that he is already a member of that is the police against them yes but a good script would still make all of this still matter and thematically relevant to what the story is actually telling. When did I ever say this was a good script? But, it's still, I, but my critique's still I, all there then. My critique's all valid. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying your critiques aren't valid. They, they're not. If you, you think that they overdo the car stuff to the point where it becomes a central focal point, then yeah, it is an issue that it is something that doesn't matter. I don't think they hit that point. I think that the central focal point is still on the interpersonal stuff and whether or not Brian will make this decision. I think that the cars are just set dressing on top of it, but it's not the focal point. You think that the cars are the focal point, and that's fine, and that explains why you have your criticisms. I think that they gave just enough time to the cars where obviously it's going to pull in all the people who are interested in the cars, but in the end, the focal point of the story, as much as I hate to say this, is the family aspect. I think fundamentally here, we're saying the same thing. You're you're just framing it in a slightly different way. And I think what I want to make clear here Maybe. is the oh. problem with the movie is that what you're saying the focal point is. I agree it's what the focal point should be. Mm. But because it doesn't feel like it's the focal point as part of... The, it, well, it's not even... That's not why it's a problem. It's a symptom of the problem. The symptom okay. of the problem, which is the, the central story is poorly written, that the characters are not engaging, that the activity that their lives revolve around doesn't actually really integrate with the themes of the story all that well. And as a result, it's just, as we've been saying, set dressing to be cool, to have all this flashy stuff that the movie is really going to focus on for large portions of its runtime and mm. fundamentally and i think you can tell as well that it doesn't integrate as well as like it should because it's very front-loaded like the more the movie goes on oh, yeah. the less it focuses on the cool car stuff and the more it kind of shifts into just the the character drama and i think that's a sign that it's not as integral to the movie as it should be because a good script would take the and that's the thing you can take any story any script and you can take mm -hmm. the the activity that it revolves around and say yeah it's actually not actually that important that it's this specific thing um you know i brought up days of thunder earlier and you could argue that there's a thunder is just top gun again but with cars it's even the same director and the same star but mm -hmm. it's it's race car driving instead of uh you know fighter pilots and yep. it's all about the the relationships right but fundamentally that can be true of almost any story it can be mm -hmm. but what makes it work when it's done well is that it doesn't just feel tacked on and everything they set up early on with in this case the car racing 
should then come back around and be super important to how the climax plays out. It should be super important to what finally pays off. Like, what I'm saying is, is that the end of this movie, pro- and it, it kind of is in a sense because at the end, Paul Walker, or I should say Brian, does like stay toe-to-toe with Dom as they're racing against the train. It, mm-hmm. it should really be about he should earn his respect, especially since in that first race, right before when he's betting his pink slip and he says, ah, you know, I'll bet my car and if I win, I get the money and the respect and they all laugh at him, Yeah. right? So mm-hmm. the end of the movie absolutely should be that he earns his respect. And he kind of does. Like, you know, the end of the movie when he hands him the car keys and says, on you go, run away from the cops. I'm not going to take you in. He gets mm-hmm. his respect. He looks at him like, oh, you've earned my respect now. That should be emphasized even more. That should be the the story of the yeah. movie. And I, I again... I think that what we're saying is pretty much the same thing. The difference that it's coming down to is you think once they drop the car stuff, because it's very front loaded, you think that it should have been better integrated and pulled in to like the end of the movie. I think once they dropped the car stuff and eh, whatever, I wasn't that into it anyway. And I'm just happy that they dropped it. And <laughs> well, that's, a, that's just another problem then. Yeah. The, the movie's front loaded with all this shit that I don't care about and they should have just dropped it. But I, they should make you understand it. They should make you care about it and make it feel essential mm. to what the, the story ultimately is going to come down to. Not that it's the important part of the story, because the important part of any story is always the characters. It absolutely is, right? Yeah. Uh, mm. it, it always should be and always will be. But we have this, you know, I, I, ultimately what we're saying here is that it's, it's, it's a sloppy movie that's yeah. concerned more with being a cool action movie that's going to get the teenagers in than it is about actually creating a, a solid character drama which i mean once we finish that first street race i i honestly think that that's the point where they're like all right we've anyone who's gonna stick around as far as they have they're here we can drop all the car stuff like because after that anything that they do from that point on is purely just mcguffin where it's like oh we know that the person doing these heights has these specific tires or later on in the movie we find out this one driver is uh, angry that his engines haven't arrived. Was, those could be replaced with literally anything. It's well, right up until this point where well, that's not, the hold car on, hold thing... Hold on, hold on. This isn't entirely true because the all the stuff that the characters are actually talking about outside of what Brian's secretly doing for the police is mm-hmm. all still about building up to him actually building up this car and finally proving himself in a race. And it's actually yeah. kind of weird that the movie doesn't put more emphasis on that. In fact... What would probably make, because it's actually at this race wars where he's there to win a race. It's at the end of that sort of event where Dom and the rest go off to do their last heist. And he kind of, it's that, that crescendo moment where he admits to Mia that he's a cop and that he's going mm-hmm. to try and help them because they're going to get themselves killed or whatever. Yeah, It's actually kind of weird to me and kind of a blunder on the script that he doesn't actually win their, like Dom's respect, at least to a point, you know, and like not, not his total respect because he's not, he doesn't know all the truth yet. But it's kind of yeah. weird that on a pure race level, he doesn't win his respect by proving himself that he can he can win. In fact, correct me if I'm wrong, do we even see Brian race at the race wars? No, and that is one thing I wanted to bring up, though, is that once this race war scene hit, I think this is where the entire script fell apart. Because no scene really does anything to lead into the next bit. It's yeah, just that's fair. a collection of scenes to get us to the end. And no logical, like, why did, at, there was, they did the race war thing, they're on, out on this desert, Jesse loses his car, because that again, like you said, not set up at all. And then, all of a sudden, Dom has to go pull this heist. 
it's not set up anywhere. We don't see we don't see them getting a call or anything about this truck <clears throat> leaving. It just all of a sudden leave to do this heist. We see the whole heist scene play out. It's a whole thing. And then all of a sudden we're at the climax of the movie where Jesse comes back and it's uh, Brian versus Dom versus these two Chinese bikers that are coming after them. It's a collection of scenes from the race wars to the end, and none of it really connects. And that's where I felt the biggest disconnect well, from the movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to all those things individually, but I'm just on the mm-hmm. subject of like the central arc of the movie. Surely, mm-hmm. right before Dom's going to get the heartbreaking news, which happens at the end of the, the heist where Brian ends up having to come and kind of help save them, mm-hmm. that he's a cop and that he's betrayed him and he's been lying to him. Surely, script writing 101 right before that is when dom should be at he's like happiest with brian and sh- that would make sense to me that this build up because the whole idea is, is that brian should care about the fact that he has to prove himself in this race and part of the plot plot should maybe be that he does care about the race it's not just that he's been undercover that he actually cares about winning a race yeah. at the race wars and proving himself because earlier on in the movie when he said he wanted the respect the truth is is that he actually did want the respect it wasn't just a lie it wasn't just you know him being undercover and spouting something that would make sense to them right okay let me let me throw out a few posits then so step one he does want the respect i agree with that 100 that is what he's doing this entire thing for it's kind of weird with how they intersperse with mia in that regard because he keeps telling Mia like oh this isn't about your brother but everything in the movie points to it is all about the brother so following up on that, the thing that they say during this first street race is even if he won the race, that wouldn't guarantee him the respect. So I don't think that the respect is tied to winning a race at any given point. Even if he beats Dom, it has nothing to do with the respect. I think that him going out and theoretically risking his life to save Vince during the set piece of this movie, there is a moment where Dom comes up, he sees that Vince is, you know, he's bleeding, he's not okay, but his life was saved by Brian. And I think that's the moment. That's the moment where it's like, I can trust you implicitly. But then it immediately crashes down when he has to reveal that he's an undercover cop to save Vince's life. So I feel like the moment is there. It's just not structured in the way that you were looking for. And it's not effective then. I'm not saying you have to do it the way I... Like, when I give like potential things they could do mm-hmm. right things that other movies have done or things that would work i'm not saying that i'm right and that there's no other way that could be right like obviously right. writers who are better than i am that are smarter than i am who get paid to write can come up with something more original than what i have said but mm-hmm. they're presenting me with a series of cliches anyway so i'm fitting them into a narrative that works and makes sense and to me the whole idea that like Brian's starting to care more about the the group and he's trying to protect them and he wants to like prove himself should build to something at the end of Act Two, right before everything does come crashing down. Um, mm-hmm. So it's weird to me that you even see him race at the race wars. It's just it's almost. I think that's partly why the movie is such an uninteresting, dull film to me. Is that there's so many things that it feels like it's supposed to set up and then just kind of lets fizzle out yeah. into the background it does it like you said with all the other characters where they're just not part of the climax it does it with brian being a racer where all of a sudden the movie just kind of forgets to give a shit about that because he doesn't give a shit about it anymore it's just about going to like stop the heist thing mm-hmm. and it, it does that with a lot of things throughout the, the, the course of the movie and 
I, I, I don't think that it's it holds me for any of its emotional beats partly as a result of that not that i care about the characters that much because i think they're kind of dull characters but yeah it, it it would work better just on a surface level if it followed the beats correctly but it doesn't mm. it, it so let me let me throw this mild rewrite out and see what you think so during the race wars scene we have jesse out of the blue for no reason just he needs to race because his dad's in jail or something like that well, no, no, let, let, me, let me say it properly. So he okay. he comes out, he's holding a pink slip, and Brian says, what are you holding there? And part of this is to show that Brian cares about this group of people, and he cares about Jesse. And Jesse, of course, having ADDs, may garner sympathy with the audience as well, right? Right. So he's kind of this uh, sympathetic character who needs to be protected by the others, because he's, you know, he's the he's a smart mechanic, but he's not the fighter, he's not the tough one, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden in this scene, Brian's like, but wait, that's your dad's car. And Jesse's like, yeah, but it's okay. I'm not going to lose anyway. And right away, I'm like, okay, writers, two problems here. One, he's never talked about his dad. In fact, we're going to find out in 10 seconds time later in this conversation that his dad's in jail. Mm-hmm. And this is his dad's car and whatever. And Brian's like, oh, but he'll kill you when he gets out. So like, he'll go back to jail, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, you have not established that his relationship with his father is a big thing for this character. I don't remember it coming up anywhere in the movie. If it did, it was... That's why I feel that was the most obvious cut. There was a deleted scene somewhere because it doesn't make any sense here. So, yeah, it comes out of nowhere that he has this relationship with his father, that this car that he uses as his father's, it just comes out of nowhere. And then problem number two is just the absurdly... If you're going to build up to him making a mistake that gets him in trouble having him just say it right before and have a character having brian say are you sure this is a good idea because you might lose your dad's car and then him going ah don't worry there's no way i'm going to lose is the most uninteresting and predictable setup to a scene imaginable because you're obviously going to lose you're obviously going to lose and that's going to propel whatever's going to happen next Right, and it happens to be the the head of the the Chinese gang that's like a rival group of racers that are kind of introduced throughout the movie, and they're, they're brought yeah. up whenever the plot needs them to be relevant. But they're not interesting characters. In fact, to be honest, the second like guy in this group, the the one who's not mm-hmm. the leader, may have the worst line of dialogue in the whole movie when they're looking at uh, Brian's car earlier on, and he's like, "It's a beautiful machine," and he says it's so deadpan, it is yeah. laughably bad. But that, yeah, that, so that, that's what this scene you're talking about is. Is it just brings mm-hmm. this up? He quickly races the head of the the Tran gang. I think that's what their name is. And trans, trans gang, Tran gang, whatever their name is. And yeah. he loses, and he just drives off in fear because he can't give up the car. And mm-hmm. that sets up obviously when the, the the gang comes back at the end for the, the climax. Okay, so let me throw out this rewrite here, and you tell me if you think it would be better structured. So, obviously, Brian's talking this whole time, telling him, you can't race this guy, don't do it, don't do it. So, he does the race, he loses, because obviously he has to lose that race. And then, something happens where, you know, Jesse's driving the car back, he doesn't want to give the pink slips, a fight starts to break out. And, through whatever methods, Brian ends up saving Jesse's life, or at least from a severe beating. He manages to protect him. At that point, Dom sees that, and that's the thing where he's like, I trust you now. You've earned my respect because you've shown that you've been able to put family first. He tells him that 
they're going out on a heist, like immediately afterwards, because they've gotten a call or whatever. So that scene now flows a lot better because now he wants him in. And obviously Brian has to turn him down because he's he knows these truckers are now packing shotguns. Actually, and that's what turns hand, down that lower. Let's just take a time out here. I want to talk about one plot detail here that really was arcing me. Okay. So in the opening scene, when we're seeing this example heist at the start, where mm-hmm. this trucker starts throwing punches at like the guy, probably Vincent, who's like grappled into the truck, yeah. and all I could think was like, dude, what? Like, surely at a certain point you just part, you just stop driving, you put up your hands and say, "It's not my property." Like, I'm getting yeah. robbed, right? Yeah. This is not worth fighting your life for for a bunch of DVD players. And then throughout the movie, every time Brian talks to his like superior officer, he keeps bringing up. You know, these, these, these uh, truckers are getting really mad that this keeps happening. They're going to start taking matters into their own hands. We don't want mm-hmm. vigilante truckers on our hands. And I kept thinking, but, uh, you know, because we see no evidence that they're actually, like, killing the truckers or that the truckers are being put in harm other than they've just been told to sort of, you know, hand over your goods kind of thing, right? As far right. as we know, Dom and his group aren't killing people when they're doing this. And... Mm-hmm. That would be a problem because it'd be hard to like empathize with them or sympathize oh, with yeah. them at all. So of course he isn't. So at the end, the big climax things happen. They're doing this heist, which for some reason there's like a clock on it where Dom's like, "We have to do this one last heist and then we're free." I'm like, "Why?" Like nothing in the movie's told us why. It's just one last one. There's, there's no like amount of money you're trying to pay up. There's no there's... six million, as we clarified earlier, not enough. But seven million, that's enough. Yeah, I, I find it hard to believe there's a million dollars worth of merch in the back of this truck when it's just electronics, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, this trucker is like all of a sudden just like firing shotgun blasts and all of a sudden he's the villain in the scene because he's firing shotgun blasts at this group of characters that we know and now mm-hmm. it's about saving these characters from the trucker with the shotgun. And all I can... Like, who... like. <laughs> this is such okay. an extreme measure to go to where they've turned the trucker in this scene into the shark in Jaws who is just bloodthirsty and is going to just kill them no matter what and it will not, mm. not stop the truck he will not break out a cell phone and call for help and call the police he's just going to kill and don't get me wrong I buy that there's some nuts out there who would be like yeah yeah I want to show how much of a man I am to like these, these guys try to rob me oh, yeah. I buy that those types of people exist but the idea that it's set up at the start that they always want to fight that there's no truckers who are just like alright you're you're robbing me fine you know what it's insured you know I'm not going to be penalized for this so just go on mm-hmm. like that's that's the one thing I'm, I feel like could be changed is that obviously they're driving around a little Honda Civics there's no way they're going to be able to take the contents of the truck themselves without just taking the whole truck which makes me think that, you know, they've got one of their drivers. They're going to, Vince probably is going to drive this whole truck and basically kick the actual driver out. And while I do think that they're insured on all of the property in the back of it, I think that the truck drivers do actually sometimes own the, like, cabs, like the front themselves. Oh, like, okay. those are their all vehicles. Right. So I think that might be something they could have the revealed The movie a bit more. never even remotely no. suggests this or goes into it, though. Not at all. Uh, because yeah, it didn't even occur to me that they were also stealing the truck because they never show that. Yeah, no, they never show what actually happens with the freight yeah. itself. It's just they somehow steal it. I mean, that makes sense what you're saying to me, but they never, ever, ever even suggest that at one point in the movie. Yeah. 
It, yep. Honestly, the, the entire thing that they do, this heist that they actually seem to keep doing, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just a poor idea. I know that they, want, they have to do something involving cars because that's their whole gimmick, is that they're good with cars and they use their cars in some sort of heist. Mm-hmm. But this thing they're going back to just feels so poorly thought out and thin that, it, yeah. you know, like, like, like everything we're saying here, oh, one more job and that's enough to, like, sort of set us up for life. And I'm just like, okay, what is this, like, amount that you consider for... Presumably five people who are in the crew who are doing these mm-hmm. jobs are, are splitting this money, maybe not evenly, but they're splitting this money five ways. They're going to be really pissed off 20 years later when inflation spikes and they're like, okay, yeah. we got to we gotta steal something from a space station now. Maybe that's the whole reason they keep on doing heists now. Yeah, no, nothing they about have... this makes that much sense to me. Um, no. So... Yeah, it's, it's, all of it's just really poor. I think. Yeah, the whole idea is just a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. That's the thing is that none of none of the stuff, none of the action pieces, none of the cars, none of the set pieces make any real sense if you just slow down and think about it for any measure of time. It all comes down and hinges on the injured character stuff of how they deal with each other, how they trust each other and stuff like that and if you're not a fan of that then yeah the whole movie's just gonna fail because there's nothing else there to make it clear though i'm a fan of it in theory i'm not a fan of it in the movie because i think the movie's really poorly written and the characters are poorly written that's what i'm saying is that these 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 characters don't work for you and therefore this whole movie doesn't work for you i think that there's a little bit there more so in vin diesel for me than paul walker oh he's, he's definitely the more interesting character and they try yeah. a little bit to, like... I mean, part of it's undercooked. They try and do this thing where he might be a really violent guy that we should be scared of whole movie. Mm-hmm. And there's even a moment when Paul or Brian on the phone it says he's a cop and Vin Diesel hears it and he sort of, like... It looks like he's... Ready, oh, is he angry? Is he going to, like, snap? And, like... And the whole thing in the backstory that the, the, the sergeant keeps bringing up is, that, oh, he went to prison for two years for beating a guy almost to death with a wrench, right? He's mm-hmm. a violent dude. And eventually there's a scene where Vin Diesel, or I should say Dom, opens up to, to Brian about his past. And he's like, you know, my dad, he died on a racetrack. And the, the guy who ran into him, or whatever the exact detail was, like, mm. the next day I just lost control and I started hitting him with a wrench. And, you know, I didn't mean to keep hitting him, but I just kept hitting him. And he tells, and he, you know, you, like, you're not sympathetic for him, but you're empathetic with, okay, this guy just killed his dad. He was in a fit of rage. Yeah. He, you know, he, he clearly is not proud of that he did this. He talks about this guy he's still alive and he has to take a bus to work. He can't drive himself anymore. You know, it doesn't go into it in detail, but the implication being that, you know, this guy's life is fundamentally altered because of the injuries that he sustained. And mm-hmm. it wasn't something that he intentionally, he didn't intentionally try to kill his dad. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you're, you're giving me this backstory of this character that could be interesting that, you know, that this guy is sympathetic. But I think the problem is, is that the actual heist themselves, there's never a reason where I'm like, oh, like, they need money for a specific reason that I can at least in some way sympathize with. Ultimately, yeah. it does kind of feel like they're still just being greedy and there's nothing to really root for and, like, what why they're doing this. Like, another movie might do, like, oh, like, you know, a, t- a typical thing is, like, someone has cancer or something, they can't afford the medical expenses. So. I mean, I think it's simpler than that. All they needed to do was throw out a single line saying, my dad wanted to move us all down to mexico or even just and saying we're just we're working towards that and that's all it would need to be the, the problem is though is that if they say oh we're struggling to pay bills and this is just about setting us up for life and part of the problem is, is that you know the system or whatever 
any excuse you give me for why they need money and why we should be at least a little sympathetic to their needs, even if what they're doing is wrong, we could at least understand, okay, they're, they're pushed to the brink and they're forced into this, mm-hmm. is that they're spending so much money, like, souping up these cars that there's no way I'm ever going to just go, yeah, but maybe if they just stop putting all this money in, like, I'm not even saying don't have a car, I'm just saying, stop putting thousands of, like, at one point they say, oh, we need to fix this car, but it'll cost 15 grand, put it in my tab at the auto shop. I'm like, yeah. I'm not sympathetic to your needs for money because you're clearly thrown around a lot of it just fixing up cars. I think that's the biggest thing, though, is that the heist itself and illegal street racing don't square together in any way. Because mm. the whole thing of illegal street racing is let's make these cars as fast as humanly possible for just a short burst. That's all it needs to do is just be fast for a quarter mile. That's it. Whereas a heist like the car just needs to go as fast as a semi truck, which spoiler alert is sixty miles an hour. <laughs> that's that's not that fast. No, no. And at that point, it's more about driving skill. But as we've already pointed out, the races don't. You know, I mean, okay, there's a little bit of skill in the gears and all that, but it's yeah. not the same as like driving around and underneath and like all the yeah. stuff that they're doing with the truck. Right? It's it, it's very different at that point. Now, I mean, they do specifically show that every time these people drive on residential streets not during the races but just in general they are skilled drivers they are able to take these turns and they know exactly how their car is going to move they're skilled drivers no matter what but it has nothing to do with the illegal street racing yeah. aspect which is which is partly why a lot of what the movie emphasizes feels like it's emphasizing the wrong things and especially mm-hmm. thinking about it just ahead to the rest of the franchise when they're doing insane stuff doing heists it's like it's all, you know, they're going fast, but it's all gimmicky stuff going fast. It's, you know, it's, it's going fast carrying a vault. It's going fast and dodging mm-hmm. missiles. It's it's all the more stuff that... It doesn't exactly go with the just driving around a truck, but it, it feels like a, an extension of that rather than an extension of the street racing, which is just yeah. go fast for 30 seconds, if that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm trying to think of what major crime they could be pulling that would just be go fast for a long enough time, but I can't think I, of I anything don't think you that can. would be... Honestly, yeah. uh, again, this goes back to the, the street racing part feels like it doesn't even need to be in the movie. Like, the street yeah. racing part is the part that feels tacked on. That's If they were to have all these people be major motorheads and, like, you know, big into cars, but not into street racing, I think that's a completely reasonable way to rewrite the movie. I don't think there's any need for them to be you know, into street racing. That's the thing. Everyone, you know, we, we've compared this to, to Point Break and then people bring up it's a remake of Point Break with cars instead of surfing. They mm-hmm. don't rob banks with their surfboards in Point Break. It's a separate thing that they just do because they love it. And it's like something yeah. that means something a lot to them. If if in this movie, it was like, okay, obviously the skill set can lend over to the heist and that's fine. But mm-hmm. if, if instead of street racing, it was just oh like they like fixing up cars and there's a couple of scenes where you know dom goes out and just drives around a racetrack because he likes to do it he loves to drive he loves to drive fast and he loves to and maybe that's where uh brian could be going to try to start on un- being undercover is that you know he goes out there and races at the same time and you know mm-hmm. that's how they meet maybe like that's how you could start it it would feel yeah. maybe a lot more natural than there's this big insane street racing like world that he's a part of and i, I don't know like there's just there's so many things that it feels like it is it's one it, there's something to me maybe it's just one of the most egregious things to me in a movie but when a movie's trying to be really cool and to appeal to teenagers it tends to be when i'm the most annoyed at a movie and when it yeah. feels the most hollow to me and it's fine if it's backed up with good writing and a good script and all the rest of it but i i don't mm-hmm. think this is i, I think the no. direction here feels hollow the writing here feels hollow and 
yeah i mean yeah I, uh, what else is there? I, I mean, we could go through i mean there's some scenes yeah. we've skipped over like when the i mean the asian gang's torturing the one dude with the oil in his mouth or whatever but mm. it all feels a bit redundant at this point there's a after the scene where um he's where brian saves dom from the cops he's invited into a party yes and that's the first time that we really get the moment where dom's like nah this guy is cool because all the rest of you bailed on me he's the only one who stuck around and saved me from the cops yes uh so and dom does not want to go back to prison he says he died before he goes uh, back that's something that's multiple times yep um, did you like how course... that one racer in the street race was playing a little portable playstation in his car define the word like <laughs> i was amused by it i was like oh that's quirky just... but then nothing happened with it yeah I, I think around this i don't know if it was maybe a little too early for this but they did release that mini ps1 that did have like a portable like laptop screen with it oh yeah and i don't think yeah. that's what this was but I, I don't think it's far off that so it's not completely ridiculous that he could be doing that but it's just this idea that he's about to be in a street race and he's literally just killing time at the starting line by playing gran turismo is i was kind of waiting it for it to be one of those like like speed racer things where it's this particular driver's hooked up his whole system to be played through the dual shock controller they <laughs> <laughs> just didn't do it that, that would be getting like a, a, a level of dumb that I may get on board with because at least then yeah. it'd have some personality. Whereas I feel like... That's just wacky racers at that point. Yeah, that's, that seems more funny to me though because at least that's... Again, that's full of character, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this movie's entire character is like, oh, all these characters think cars is cool. Aren't cars cool? You know? Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Then we get the scene where... Brian asks out Mia. She says, no, I don't date my brother's friends. And Vincent, and then, and Vincent acts like a dick, and then she immediately goes, uh, Vincent, what's that place you want to take me to? And he describes where he wants to go, and then she turns around and goes, hey, Brian, do you want to take me there? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what I wrote was, Vince is a dick, Mia says yes. <laughs> um, so then we get this part in the movie where Hector comes in, and he says, hey... I have three Honda Civics oh, and yeah. I need to be really tricked out. And immediately Brian's like, okay, so you're our guy, right? Like that's, what, that what, has to be what it is. What a red herring. Exactly the same yeah. three of a vehicle that has been used in the heist by someone else yep. in the illegal street racing scene, but not the yep. people who are actually doing the heist. I mean... I'd be okay with it if this were the only red herring, but the fact that it's immediately followed up by a second red herring is oh, what yeah. gets me. Yeah, the Asian gang, uh, like they go snooping around. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you skip over a scene where Brian goes and snoops on Hector, finds out they're using the wrong tires, but for some reason, Vince and Dom are just there, and he has to come up with a whole thing as to why he's not a cop. I'll be honest, I wanted to skip over it, but yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But, well, it just strikes me because, like, that's the part where I feel like Paul Walker's acting, or lack thereof, really shines. In that he's not... I don't... If I'm watching this guy give the story of, I was just investigating because I want to beat him in a race because I owe you a car, I'd be like, no, you're a cop, dude. I don't believe a word you're saying. It was so tedious to watch. Honestly, I think Vincent immediately yelling cop at him like like multiple times. Like, he's a cop, man. He's a cop. Of course he's a cop. Mm-hmm. Just like, I feel like you're just... 
You're making it hard for me to believe that Dom is not at least suspecting that he's a cop because Vincent keeps oh, yeah. yelling it. Even even though he has been a dick and even though he's just being like maybe jumping to conclusions, it uh, yeah. Uh, so mm. all that stuff plays out. It's not, uh, but anyway, yeah. The whole thing is the Asian gang have like a lot of DVD players in like their 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 warehouse or whatever, and mm. it turns out later after they arrest the Asian gang, like their leaders, uh, that they were all purchased legitimately. And I was like, well, why? Why did ha- like? Did they own an electronics store? And like, Brian didn't do his homework. And like, oh, this is just all stock. <laughs> they literally have stock. I mean, that w- I will give the movie a little bit of credit where he thinks it's the Asian gang, and he puts that forward to his boss, and he's like, all I have though is circumstantial evidence. Let me get some real hard evidence. And they're like, no, we're going in anyway. And then it turns out that yeah, it was just circumstantial. It wasn't actually them. So I Fair. at least appreciate the fact that. They made Brian be like, I'm not positive on this, but I think it's worth knowing. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, yeah. Anyway, so they're mm. building up. Uh, Brian's kind of pushed to try and get an answer. Uh, and this is one of the other things that's really kind of dropped, is that it is weird that we never see his superior or the FBI guy who keeps barking orders at him again. Yeah. Because he makes a sort of push with Dom. It's after that race with the, the uh, Porsche guy or the Ferrari guy. Ferrari, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, whatever you're in, because you're definitely not affording all these car upgrades with just your little diner place. So, like, what what are you into? I went in. So he's, he's sort of pushing past the point of comfort where he's trying to, like, get into it. And yeah. Dom says, hey, let's see how you do it, race wars, and we'll talk after that. Which is another reason why it's weird that they just kind of leave race wars and nothing ever comes of it, you know? And yeah. I'm not so sure why Jesse driving off and not being there with them is what prompts them going to do another heist. That's the thing is I don't, because if you remember the way that they got their information on the first heist, some guy at the shipping yard called to them. Like he called over a cell phone saying, oh, here's true. what's written on the side so of the truck. They, yeah, maybe they got a call. Yeah. I think they got a call and we just didn't see it, which is, yeah, just poor filming. We should have seen that call come in so that we understood why they were leaving. But, yeah, that's fair. Uh, also smattered throughout here is that Brian and Mia go on their date and it apparently ends very well. Yes. I just bring it up because their relationship in the end of the movie ends up being a nothing. It's just a completely dropped thread and well, she bothers disa- me. She disappears to go to the hospital with the others who are hurt. Uh Right and you know but like they gave so much focus to it and they couldn't even say a thing of like did brian try reaching out to her again after everything that happened where she revealed that he was a cop i don't it's just she walks away tearfully and then we just assume they never spoke again i guess yeah i guess i mean that i mean honestly like everything the, the way it just drops everything once we get to race wars that it was kind of building to is really weird yeah but anyway so after the, the heist which you know we should talk about that a little bit you know there's a lot of vincent like dangling from the truck and his arms getting caught up in the cable uh there's a lot of them trying to get him down but failing the driver's shooting shotgun blasts at everyone constantly mm-hmm. eventually after uh, michelle rodriguez character letty i don't think we've ever used a character's name once yet but letty, nope. uh, letty gets driven off the road and is a little bit injured uh the guy Leon, the, the one member of the group that we've barely mentioned because he has no character, he's just there a lot. Yeah. He drives back to help her. That's when Brian comes swooping in with Mia in the, the, the passenger seat and he's going to like earn some love by like helping out Vincent but then immediately admitting that he's a cop to like call in the yeah, helicopter. He, he had to admit he was a cop to Mia in order to get her to 
work with him because he was like, look, your brother's driving into a trap. I just so happen to know that these truckers have shotguns now. Which so also, it's very yeah, worthwhile. that even doesn't even feel like that specific of like a, okay, he knows that the truckers might be starting to fight back, but it's not like he knows this one especially is going to be a problem. Yeah, can you imagine if they did all this and the heist went off without a hitch? I know, I know. And then they drive up after, it's all right, and Mia's like, oh yeah, he said he was a cop. And everyone's like, what? Well, I think that that would probably play out differently. If that's he would drive up afterwards, he'd be like, oh, you guys got the goods. Mia, can I come talk to you over here? <laughs> Yeah, real quick yeah all that cop stuff i said i was just i was just playing was, a little joke i, was a little I just joke. really wanted to be a part of this heist and i didn't think you were going to tell me unless i like threatened legal action so yeah and that's the other thing like when they're leaving to go in the heist it shows dom and mia having like a fight as if she's mad that he's still doing this and mm. i don't think there's a single hint in the rest of the movie that she is in any way unhappy with something dom is doing it's just it, again it's completely out of nowhere I don't think there's a hint in this movie that she knows anything that Dom does. I know, does. yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, like, I, I I, would not be surprised if there was a scene halfway in this movie where they're having their barbecue, and Mia's like, wait a minute, you race cars? <laughs> nah, she's at the street race. And the only reason why I know she's at the street race is because when Brian's making his challenge, it cuts to her sort of smiling like, oh, she's impressed. Oh, that's right, she was there. Yeah. See, it's completely non-important to the story. Yes um so afterwards brian goes to dom's house dom is you know getting ready to flee with his souped up car that he showed off earlier and brian's trying to calm him down but then jesse drives up apologizes for doing the race whatever and that's when the drive-by happens the two asian guys in the motorbikes come up shoot jesse and dom and brian both basically go in pursuit to try and get them and Yeah, you know, there's some stunts here where they're kind of hitting them and you know they eventually hit the cars into the bikes and that's kind mm-hmm. of it uh and then dom wants to try and see if he can like do this quarter mile in time for the, the see, train that's, crossing that's the issue is we see brian watching dom's car from like the bottom of a hill he hops in his own cars gives chase but then they just meet up at a stoplight and dom's like you know i used to drag race here all the time i'm gonna go for it and Brian doesn't even say anything. He's just like, respect, I get it. And I guess they decide without words that this is a race to decide whether or not he's taken into custody. I don't actually think it's a race for that. I think Brian just decides that after. It's just Brian wants to keep up with them so that Dom... If he if he was 100% dedicated to not letting Dom get away, he could have very easily, while at the stoplight, just pulled in front of him. Well, yeah, but that, was, that wouldn't prove it, and that wouldn't earn respect, and it wouldn't show Dom that he's making that decision. Right. No, I, I understand if you go from the respect angle, this is a thing. But as soon as he pulls up to that stoplight and doesn't immediately arrest Dom, I know for a fact, no matter what the end of the race is, Dom's not being arrested, because that's clearly not what he wants to do. He's more focused on the respect angle. Yeah, but the movie still plays, you know, it still plays yeah, out that saying. way. Yeah. It's, it still plays it as I, if it's this I, thing where he's like, oh, I'm going to take you into custody. Nah, as, get out of here. As far as, as far as the movie's problems go, this is at the bottom of the list That's for fair. me. This is just traditional dramatization to me. Because the whole point is, is it's almost like they're not even thinking about it. It's not until they hear the police sirens coming where it's like, oh, shit, yeah, you're a cop and technically you're supposed to arrest me. And then he makes his choice. 
I guess the bigger problem I have with this scene is the fact that this one felt the most disjointed. I can appreciate the fact that maybe he got a call from whoever about that truck leaving. I can appreciate the fact that he wants to flee after he finds out that Brian's a cop. I can imagine these scenes explaining those other scenes happened. But between the part where they knock the Chinese bikers off of their bikes to this scene, I don't understand how oh, yeah, that, that, that's fair. The transition to this is weird. Yeah. But this is what their big ending is going to be, and it literally just fades to black after Brian lets him go. Mm-hmm. Um And they let him take they he wrecks his dad's car because they make it past the train. That's right. They that's barely right. squeak by. And then Dom's too busy looking over, staring into Brian's eyes. <laughs> and he doesn't notice a semi-truck pulling out, and so he crashes. And we get a flip. And this is, you know, unlike the modern movies, this is a time when there were still a lot of stunts. So this is actually mm-hmm. a, a car stunt, which is, yep. you know, neat. Which, at least. F- fun fact, apparently they did crash this car, and then it showed up in a junkyard five years later in Herbie Fully Loaded. Because they weren't just going to get rid of the car, I guess. You got a crash car, you can still use it as a prop. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, the movie's got it. Uh, the studio's got it, you know, in, in, their, yep. in their warehouse somewhere. Why not? Um, yeah, and then there's a little post credit scene. I don't know if you... Yes, uh, I did. Yeah. I've always been checking. Uh, I know you do. This was before, and this is a common thing, though, so it's kind of surprising it has this little one. It's just him driving yeah. in... It's just Dom driving in Mexico. And saying his his tagline pretty much for the movie of quarter mile at a time. Yeah, that's all it is. Uh, which is funny because it feels like maybe that's setting up a sequel, but then he's not in the sequel. So, it, do you know what's so funny about this franchise to me is maybe they just wanted more money than they were offering or whatever. But it is kind of wild that most of the main cast, like Paul Walker's back for the second one. I don't know if anyone else comes back that's prominent. But then the third movie is like set in Japan and it's like, like a new main character. And yeah, then it's not, Tokyo. and it's not until the fourth one that you know the main four are all back again, and it's funny with how big it's become and how big a franchise and this blockbuster thing that's you know billion dollar movie, <laughs> and it's just so weird to me that for a while the cast were resistant to coming back to it, and then it's like it's it's just funny in hindsight how they may have been kicking themselves if they stayed away when like how big it became. What are you laughing at? Paul Walker obviously returns for the second film. Uh huh. And you were saying, I don't think anybody else returns. Oh, who goes goes back? No, there's there's one person returning. And it is the FBI agent that I said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if he came back for another? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, damn it. Yeah, I think the other main guy in the second one, though, is another guy who comes back later for the the rest of them. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But... So Ludacris is in the second one, so I know he shows up a few times. Yeah, yeah. And I think the main guy in the third one does become like one of the group later on. It's kind of funny how so much of this franchise has, is... Uh, and we don't know this yet, obviously, after the first one, but they're going mm-hmm. to retcon so many deaths, and they're, oh, yeah. and they're going to somehow put together a group of characters who are very unrelated in these first several movies into this family unit that's going to be together after that point. I feel like I want to try to view this through the comic book lens that I have, where it's like, all right, there are like four or five different comics that were written, completely different characters, and then we need the team-up issue. And that's <laughs> when it'd be like Fast Five or Six or whatever. Oh, dear. God, I really hate this movie. You know that? I really. I, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I fully understand where the dislike comes from. I just don't share it. I just It's a combination of cliched plot ideas and characters, bad writing some bad acting and then it's kind of like 
teenage fetishization of a subject that is sort of there to like give it a personality you know it's, mm-hmm. it's like in lieu of actually having a personality it's fixating on this thing that they really want to say is the coolest thing ever and maybe part of it's just a taste thing but i just don't think it's that cool so the entire no, movie fair. feels lame to me it's lame it's lame 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 all, that's fair all these cars are just like oh my god you're all just so worried about how small your dicks are that you have to put it all like oh this you know oh look at how great my car is and all the horsepower yeah boy this is gonna be a fun month this is gonna be a real fun season but that's, well, this is, I've, I've got like hatred for years for this one i don't know if i've got like the same pent up like you know the next few are all if- new watches for me and that's fair, but if you think they're going to do any less fetishization of these cars, you got another thing coming. But I don't necessarily mind them, like, fetishizing them a little bit. It's just the extent of which it's, like, a focus That's on what this. I'm saying. You think it's going to get less? No, my friend. Yeah, but I've seen, I've seen 6, 7, and 8, though, and it's not as bad in those. Yeah, but that's the point where they decided, oh, wait, it's not about cars anymore. It's about heists and space drops. But the cars are still a big doing. part of that. They're still skilled drivers. That's the point. Yeah, they're doing the stuff with the cars, but I'm saying that their focus went from the street racing and, hey, let's trick out our cars to, hey, what can we do with these cars? I'm just saying... Did you know they could drive? I'm just saying that I hope they transition a little bit earlier. Fair enough. Than I think they are. Because, I, you know, I think they transition with the fifth movie. I'm hoping it happens before then. I but doubt it, but we'll see. I doubt it as well. But, you know, this movie is aggressively 2001. Maybe at least the shooting style and the, 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 the gimmicky editing and the way they shoot that for Street Race. I'm hoping that's just kind of gone for the second one onwards. I'm hoping it is. Please, please be gone. Yeah. I mean, by the time we're done with this season, uh, at least this half of this season, we're going to be all the way in 2011. Yeah, I know. So, so we got to jump ahead here. Yeah, and, you know, the soundtrack, just one more note on that, is that, you know, it's full of just, like... Marlon Manson plays at one point. Uh, yeah. I, th- I want to say the new metal band that plays at one point is Static X, but I could be wrong. It might be like a POD song or something. If if I had to describe exactly what the soundtrack is, it's the soundtrack that you can somehow hear when you're parked at a stoplight, despite the fact that all your windows are up and you aren't listening to anything. It's like three cars away that way, but you can hear it very clearly because somebody's very proud of their speaker system. Yep. Uh, it's a lame piece of shit. Uh, David, what are you rating The Fast and the Furious? I got to rate it first. I feel like you've got your rating locked down. Um, okay, if I had to rate The First Fast and Furious, I think that while it is not something I'm interested in, I can at least appreciate where it is coming from in the bedrock of this series. I think that there was a little bit of heart there. I could see them actually trying to make a good movie, even if it didn't work out. Um, The second half, if not the last third of this movie, kind of falls apart on everything it was doing, and as such, it leaves me very unsatisfied. But it was at least fun in some places, so I'm going to go ahead and lock this down at just a straight solid five. I think that it's got its issues but that balances out with what i actually managed to like about it and just comes down to straight down the middle okay okay um believe it or not i'm not actually going that much lower i'm gonna go with a four and okay you know because it's not the worst 
thing ever. But it's nah. it's it it's it's full of things that I don't like. It's full of I, I think it's a lot of objectively bad things. It's a lot of taste things and subjective things that I don't like as well. Mm. But fundamentally, it's this really just soulless movie to me. Like it just it feels okay. soulless, and I think there's a version of it that could work. That's about this respect between the two characters. But I, I have to say as well, I, I'm not so sure that I, like, I, I think it takes a lot for me to like the undercover befriending the, you know, the criminal mm. story. I don't think I necessarily like that trope all that much anyway. Okay. So the fact that it's doing a really poor job of all of it is just, like, painful to, for me to get through. So I'll say 4 out of 10 uh, okay. and leave it at that. Uh, does it make the cut? I mean, it's definitely not making the cut. I'll say that much. I, I want to give it like a cutting it close, but uh, I'm if I'm really pressed, I'm willing to come down to the next one of cut from the collection. I am not willing to go cut your losses. I will agree with cut from the collection. It is not going higher than that. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> I'm putting my foot down here. Damn it! Uh, all right, so I'm actually really curious. I don't know how people in general feel about this movie because I. Like, I definitely remember, like, 12-year-olds liking it when it came out, but I'm well, not that, sure... that's the audience. Yeah, I'm not sure how people who love the modern movies feel about this original, because I know that Five Onwards has a bit of a fan base who like it for a big bit of dumb fun. I don't hmm. know how much... how many of that audience, like, holds the original in any term of, you know, any sense of uh, re- well-regard or prestige. I, I don't think they do, but... The fact that I know, sitting here in 2023... The fact that I know that the spinoff of Hobbs and Shaw exists, <laughs> where they're fighting like superheroes or whatever, I can't imagine that they even think this is the same series. Well, I guess what I'm saying it's, is, did I piss people off with this review? I don't know if I did. Oh, beats me. Like, uh, we'll find out. We'll find out with all the massive comments section of someone saying, "How dare you? Paul Walker is a national treasure." I, I think that's pro- that's the problem as well. Is I just don't think this movie's fun. Like, like. Yeah. It, it, uh, and part of maybe it's because of what the franchise has turned into, but I feel like a movie mm. called The Fast and the Furious is an action movie with a guy like Vin Diesel in it. Like, on paper, that feels like it should be a fun movie, but it's just it's taking itself seriously, and it's just not that good. It's not that fun. I, th- I think that it's the same sort of thing, because, you know, we're both into comics. I think it's the same sort of thing of when you look at, like, Golden Age Batman, Silver Age Batman, and then compare it to the modern stuff. It's like the modern stuff is so much more over the top than the guy who goes and gets a few gangsters. But we accept that they're the same character. We accept that they're still the same story being told, more or less. It's just evolved over time to different tastes. Hmm. I'll be interested to see how it progresses. So I've not seen two, three, four, five. So the rest of this season is all new territory for me. Oh boy. I'm not looking forward to them. But well, five I think will probably be decent entertainment. But yeah, two, three, and four I'm not really looking forward to. So we'll I mean, if you don't like the characters, then potentially three has a chance for you. It's brand new oh, characters. True, so. true, true. That's that's very true. Uh, Paul Walker's still in two though, so yeah, <laughs> stinking up the joint. Take what you can get. But hey, all right. Uh, there you go. That is the show. That, that ended up in a longer one. Uh, mm two hours on the fast and the furious jesus christ uh let us know what you think of the fast and the furious in the comments below 
Um, are you deleted? Do you think it's good? Try your man. Uh, Do you think it's good or are you right? <laughs> yes, I'm being a little facetious. I like if you like it, fair enough. Power to you, but I think it's shit. So let us know in the comments what you think of it. Uh, you can support all the content by liking, subscribing, and dinging the bell for notifications. But of course, the main thing is you can financially support us over at patreon.com slash TV and get a bunch of bonuses for your trouble. Uh, get early access to episodes, get bonus episodes. Um, we don't know what the bonus episode for this one is yet, but it will have, it'll go out when this one's went public. Uh, the reason why we don't know what it is is because it's a vote. Uh, one of the things that our patrons get to do at the voting tier is to, of course, vote on an episode. Uh, sometimes they vote on a theme, sometimes they vote on a bonus episode, sometimes they vote on a regular episode. In this case, they're voting for the bonus episode. Uh, so it's either Torque, Baker Boys, or a Paul Walker movie called Vehicle 19. We don't know at the time of recording which one it is, but whatever it is, we'll be up on Patreon when this goes live for the public. Now that we've done one of these movies, I was leaning towards Vehicle 19 because it's the newer one. Mm-hmm. But now that I know how Paul Walker acts, I'm kind of <laughs> not. Yep, that's fair. So uh, go check out Patreon, plus there's bonuses for the other movie podcasts that we have and whatnot. So please do go check it out. Uh, but that is us. That is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And... Live your life a quarter podcast at a time. You have to when it's this bloody long. Bye.